0: I have to say, first, Calimera, Yasas. The AI sounds a little bit confused, right? You know, summarizing things. Uh, This is the primary job of AI, by the way, uh, is to confuse things. I'll talk more about that later. Mm -hmm. I want to go back to what Arthur said earlier. Uh, Three messages before I kick off with the presentation. First, the future is better than we think. This is important to realize because these days... We see see so many things about the future that are bad, right? Social media, six to eight times as many bad news as you have good news. All of the major productions of Hollywood, Netflix, Hollywood, you name it, whatever you're watching, at the top 100 are negative about the future, dystopian, right? Basically, the robots are coming, they will take our work, and then they will harvest our bodies for energy, right? That's the message. So no wonder kids in Europe, I say kids roughly between 20 and 40, (laughs) they think negatively about the future. 75% of people ask in Europe think the future is lousy. On the other hand, we have major breakthroughs in so many parts. I mean, the other day I was at Pfizer in Saloniki. There's hundreds of people are working on technology for the pharma business that are engineers, they're not even pharma people, right? Inventing therapeutics, new medications, all kinds of things, right? Pretty mind-boggling stuff. The second message is, the next 10 years will bring more change than the previous 100 years. I don't mean to scare you with that, but you should be aware, right? Business as usual is dead right? or dying. We're not going back to 2019, we're going back to traveling. Thank God, you know, I love to travel. We're going back to restaurants, we're going back to meeting in person, but the world is not the same. We're not going back to the paradigms of 2019 growth, 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 growth. You know, travel business growing 6, 7, 8, 10% in some instances. There is a decisive question that we have to ask, and I really think that 2023 is kind of like 1968. I was only seven years old in 1968. Some of you may have experienced that, right? But now we're here and the change that we're going to see, back then it took five years, you know, the music revolution, the sexual revolution, the political, just the world changed. And now we're going to see the same revolution in the next two years. And I'll tell you why that is important to realize and what the opportunities are. The opportunities are not to go back to the old story from a couple of years ago and say, we'll do that again, but faster and with more tech. Yeah, good luck. I explained to you why that will not work, because basically it's really important that we understand why we even look at the future. You know, in America, I studied in America, but I'm from Germany originally. In America, it's normal to look at the future, right? Futurists. Microphone working? Okay. We have some interference here from the taxi drivers or so. I don't know. But anyway, uh, you probably don't know a lot of futurists. But my main story when I speak about the future is the color melon, the good future, and why that is important. It's important to look at the future, not because I'm going to predict what happens that is impossible, as, as we see. Maybe the pandemics were predicted, but the war, yeah, was kind of predicted, but not obvious, right? It was a real black swan. But it's to be better prepared. This is why we look at the future. The ideal thing you can do today is to say, I'm going to zoom out into the future five, eight, 10 years. And I'm not talking about movies here, right? I'm talking about reading stuff. I'll get back to that in a second, right? And then come back to today and say, if that is the future, what will I do today? called hybrid thinking. If you don't have one leg in the future, you will not have a future, right? That's completely different than just 10 years ago it was mostly about efficiency, optimization, performance, you know, you name it, airplane engines, right? Better, 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 but not a different engine. The future is gonna be different engines, not just for the airplane, right? But for our economy, right? Look at this chart here. People ask about sustainability. A huge majority of people, this is global research by BDO, right, showing basically that most people are saying it's extremely, very and moderately important to think about sustainable travel. Yeah. This is not just an you know, like Bertolt Brecht says, uh, dinner first, then morals. Right? Or greenwashing. Right? This is a fundamental shift. And you know that shift isn't coming from people my generation. Because you know we're primarily guilty of the problem. Right? I mean in 2019 I flew 330 flights in one year. Right? So I am a big part of that problem. And you know basically what happens about 25 years of CO2 was caused by my generation, right? I mean huge. what happened there and now we have people saying this is going to be so important it's not just a minor concern and that brings us to an important situation looking at this chart now we're going to expect traffic and loads and trips and so to come back you've seen that earlier in the presentations that may very well be this year but we're looking at a fundamental change as to how things work. And I'll explain to you what that means and what the opportunities are. You know, car companies aren't going to be successful in the future because they make better cars. They do, right? I love my dog much better than a Tesla. But still, the future of the car industry isn't about cars. Right? Just like the future of the music business is not records. Right? The future of the car industry is mobility. Multi-modal transportation. So. Right? and the car is just one piece of that. So imagine you've worked for Daimler-Benz for a long time. Right? One day, you know, you spent the last 30 years on coming up with the perfect diesel engine. Right? One day a boss says, oh, you know what? The diesel engine is out, right? We're going electric, chapter closed. Right? A regular engine has 1,200 moving pieces in the engine. An electric engine, 28. Think about all the people making the pieces right, that are not going to make the pieces. But just, just software. Right? Huge shifts. So we have a major problem, roughly 3% of the global uh, CO2 is from airlines. Uh, unmitigated, it could be as much as 18 20%, some people say, in 2045. So now we have a challenge here, right? Flying by the numbers, this is from Continuous travelers. You can see the numbers here. 3.5% climate change, 4 billion passengers. 3%, less than 3% voluntarily offset their flights. Less than 3%. I do that because I feel like I should. You know, I'm guilty, right? 2050 to go net zero, well, that just isn't enough, right? Lufthansa. Of course, I'm a freaking flyer on circle at Lufthansa. Anybody from Lufthansa here, I love Lufthansa and Swiss because I live there. And finally, they're taking this opportunity to say, we're going to come up with a green ticket They launched just a few days ago. When you buy the green ticket, business green, you get 20% more status miles. And a lot of people are looking at Lufthansa saying, this is greenwashing, right? I think it's a very important step in the right direction to acknowledge what we have to do. Other airlines are following suit and think, you know, if we're looking at this direction, right, this is our major problem. We have to decouple growth from CO2. As long as we grow and then CO2 grows as well, we are in deep trouble. How do you decouple this, right? And we have decoupled already, as you can see here, GDP growth and CO2 has not been in the same direction. If we succeed and we can, CO2, production down but still grow, yeah, that's the holy grail. There are some entities, companies that will not survive this, right? Like cruise ships. Sorry to say, you know, Greece is in an exposed position here, right? There's almost no way that you can make a cruise ship sustainable in every possible way. I think airlines are actually in a better position than the cruise ships. <laughs> Uh, The country of Norway has now decreed that these ships can't go into the fjord anymore unless they have an electric engine that gets them in there silently. Starting 26. So, very big story here. And if you're looking at this chart, you can see here is the saving. Technology is being developed faster and faster and exponentially faster. Look at the chart here. DNA sequencing, ethanol. Photovoltaics. I mean, they're all basically, you know, down and down and up in power, down and down in length. It took ChatGPT. I'll talk about that in a second. Uh, only 10 days to get to a million users. 100 days to get to 100 million users. Right? Even it wasn't that fast. So there's a good chance we can make sustainable air travel a reality much sooner than we think. Probably won't be a hydrogen airplanes, you know, on a 7th. there' will be some time for that. Right? <laughs> but I have some ideas about that. I'll share with you a little bit later. But the bottom line really is it will not be business as usual. And if you're banking on business as usual, you're in deep trouble. So we're going to go back to business. We love to travel. We go back now. We have our revenge. You know, we go to nice places. But in general, that isn't going to happen. Right? We're not going back to 8% growth like we did before with the little things that we've done before. We're going to a different kind of growth. Right? Business as unusual. Right? And you could say, that yeah, sounds impossible, but it's not. And this is the interesting part, right? So many things that we thought was impossible, they're completely normal now. Right? The vaccine, 13 months. Bill Gates says, next vaccine, 13 weeks. Next Vaccine after that, 13 days, using artificial intelligence. It's much more complicated with the airlines, clearly. as many moving pieces here, right? But let's be hopeful about how impossible it becomes the new normal. So, Henry Miller, one of my famous, uh, favorite writers said, one's destination is never a place, but a new way of seeing things. And we have to start seeing things differently, seeing things in a way that is future fit, not fit for the past. And that's, of course, our specialty in Europe, you know, we love the past. I live in Switzerland, we love the past, we love the present, we're scared of the future. Who claims the future as a country identity? Americans, Chinese people, maybe UK to some degree, right? In Germany, France, or or, or Switzerland, we're worried about the future because it can't be perfect. It has to be be good for us. Look at this chart. The car industry. The uh, black box is combustion engines. Sales, that's projected by 2030 from The Economist. The red box is software and electric vehicles. Car tech companies are becoming tech companies. And yes, you know, we're gonna have normal cars on the road in 20 years, but, you know, you get, we have to pair. <laughs> Sorry about the microphone, but it doesn't seem like there's much we can do. So let me get into the three revolutions that are happening right now, which I think are both hopeful and also scary, uh, which is, as, the, as Arthur said earlier, that's our reality, <laughs> right? This is what happens in chaos. You cannot expect to go in a world that's less VUCA you know, volatile, uncertain. It is not going to happen, We're going to a world where it's basically period followed by a resolution. And that has a lot to do with Ukraine, Russia, of course, as well. But let's talk about the three revolutions. The first is the digital revolution. And it's obvious because it's everywhere, right? People have, you know, I'll give you some examples. But the second one is the sustainability revolution. This is now much bigger than, than the digital revolution. In fact, of course, they are related. We're talking about a hundred fifty trillion euro shift in where the money goes in the sustainable revolution. Everything's circular, everything's sustainable. In twenty third and not on that agenda, you won't exist. Customers will hate you, they will stop using you, you'll be an outcast, the all companies will be criminalized. That's why, of course, they're pushing to put out as much oil as I can now, because right, I know the end is coming. The end of oil is a certainty. Right? It's not like if we can say, well, it's maybe 50 years, 100 years. No, or right? well, we can see that right in front of us. The last one is the purpose of evolution. What is the purpose of a business? Why do I go places? Right? I sometimes call that the human revolution, because now we have so much technology everywhere it seems like that's, you know, like you know, we're going to end up mirroring a robot, you know, rather than, you know, a human. I'll talk more about that at the end. So, uh, I made a film about this. The Color Mel- Melon, The Good Future. Uh, you can watch it at thegoodfuturefilm.com if you're more interested on that last topic. But here's the challenge, right? Global aviation, all three of those will have a huge impact on what you do how you do it, and what you're going to do in the future. And the good news is, the future is not an extension of the present. Right? Just like Daimler-Benz said, OK, we're going to make faster diesel engines. So we're better, right? Turns out it doesn't matter, because there's no more diesel engine. Right? Now we have to think wider. I'll explain a little bit later exactly what that could mean, but I think we have to think. Vertically, or I mean horizontally, you know, like there's wider, right? The music where I used to be, I used to be a musician and producer. My first book was about the future of music. Right? I said to the music companies, music is going to go to the cloud. That was in 2000, you know, Napster. And we we'll just click a button in a place. And they hated me, right? Because it sounds like an impossible thing. And now the music companies are super happy because they have less costs, people and all the music in the cloud, everybody's paying. I don't know, you guys are paying probably 10 euros a month for Spotify. You know how many people are paying for Spotify now? Paid a hundred million. We're talking about 1.8 billion euros a month of new money. The same thing is going to happen to airlines and airports. When we let, when we think about other possibilities, and the same is going to happen with uh, supply chain and global trade, as was mentioned earlier. There's a lot of wild cards here, so I'm not going to talk much about this. But clearly, we're going to have, in every house, in every city, a 3D printer. We talked about this for a long time, right? But this is happening. I'm going to print my shoes, print my sunglasses, print my iPhone cover, print houses, print implants, print my kneecap. We're going to buy that cheap stuff from China showing up on a container ship, Highly unlikely. Right. In twenty, how do we ever live without a 3D printer? Our kids will come to us like just like a mobile phone. The 3D printer will be everywhere, and we'll print large things on the back of a UPS container. Right? Imagine what that will do to freight <laughs> and you know shipping things that we can digitize. So the next 10 years bring more change than the previous 100 years, primarily because, of course, of technology. I call these the game changers: big data, cloud computing, hello, you're supposed to, yeah, they are very good, thank you. Uh, all of those things that are coming up in a in a mind-boggling pace. I'll focus on just seven: travel industry and aviation Wait, hold industry. Hold
1: that thought, one moment. We need the sound guys to change the battery on your.
0: Change the battery. OK, you guys yeah. keep thinking about the future. I'll be right <coughs> back. Look at on, on the left side. This will just take a moment. It's a good slide to stop on. Yeah. So in the future, this won't happen, because I can stream my thoughts to you. <laughs> well, and I will need lots of tech for that, right? So basically, what's happening, of course, big data, cloud computing. We know we can fix things in operations in every possible dimension by having better data and better intelligence, right? All all of you guys are doing that. The Internet of Things, artificial intelligence, I'll talk more about in a little while, is changing the game that we can actually have smart everything. And a lot of people have said if we have smart everything, you know, airports, check-in, all of those things, we can cut off 50% of of things that are just being inefficient without actually using different fuel. That's already a very good step. The connected internet of everything, having every device connected to everything, the cloud, quantum computing, natural language processing, customer service call centers. If you're not exactly on the home level, you're going to call the airline. It will be a bot speaking to you. That is already happening, but these bots are getting very good. And they can do 50,000 rebookings in 14 seconds at the same time. I mean, imagine what that would do to operations, right? Right now, it's a little bit like we don't really know if it does that or not, right? The blockchain, I'll skip that, and augmented reality. Augmented reality, virtuality offers business people a way to travel without using their body. And holograms, which I'll show you in a second as well, offer us a way to travel with the body, right? Called holoportation. I know it sounds like a joke when you think about it, you know, Star Trek, right? But I recently suggested to several airports that I uh, often visit uh, to put together a holographic center and sell tickets for me to go virtually to Beijing. And I thought I was crazy. This is like saying to the music industry, we are not going to sell records. You're going to, you know, be the, on the iPhone with a click. Uh, but this is what we have today. We're going from physical to digital in every part of our lives. And sometimes that's not a very good thing. Right. I always say offline is a new luxury, right? That's why I love Greece. You can go there and enjoy that. So, this is what's happening, the social commerce with everything. Right? And once we have uh, digital products, we can ship them and just print them out somewhere else. You know, China is printing entire villages in 3D printers. I mean, it's already happening, right? And this chart shows, again, you know, the, co- the global car industry, it's going digital. So. The car industry is becoming a service experience business. The food industry is going digital with customized food, customized medicine, personal medicine, uh, digital therapeutics going digital, The pharma industry is going digital and travel is going digital. But of course, it's one big deal here, right? That we can only do certain things there. And I'll explain what exactly that means. But I think it's a business opportunity for airlines and airports. It doesn't involve actually you know, using fuel in some cases, <laughs> but I think it's gonna be a, a great business to get into. So what we have quite obviously is a face recognition thing that you guys talk about a lot and all of this stuff that's basically efficiency driven with a check-in and all that stuff that's already happening. That's your daily activity. And Athens, by the way, is a great airport. I congratulate you, it's one of my favorite airports in the world <laughs> uh, for a lot of reasons. But we're going there quite clearly. Augmented reality, virtual reality equipment. This is the prediction, right? Basically, how many units? That's, I think, million, 50 million units by 2026. I think it's super optimistic. Personally, I'm not a big fan of VR. It makes you sick, like, you know, flight training in the the flight deck, you know, in, in the simulator. But clearly, we're going to go into a future where these mega shifts are happening. In my last book, I talked about this a lot. I made this available for you guys, uh, just this chapter called megashifts.digital. You can download the whole chapter for free in 14 languages on the link here. But basically, this is our daily job, right? Now we're looking at everything becomes data. Everything goes digital. Everything goes virtual. And it's a mixed bag, right? Because when it gets too good, maybe people will not travel like they used to. And when it doesn't get good enough, maybe people will go back to doing it. So it's one of those things where I'm th- saying, okay, really what's happening is we're going into like a smart converter. It's a joke that we have from the futurist community, right? Everything is becoming smart. Agriculture, transport, retail, banking, right? Everything is going from disconnected to connected. Even governments, even politics maybe. No further comments on that. But the smart converter is absolutely everywhere, and that's really the first step in the next decade that we're going to undertake in this revolution. Here is a DHL robot unloading freight for Amazon. This was a mission impossible for a robot to do. It's very intricate, actually. Right? Now Amazon made a bot that can do this. You don't want to get anywhere near it. It's not very safe, right? But it can keep loading and unloading, you know, for pretty much forever. Right? It doesn't have a union, so. It's one of those things. And here is the automated pilot. Of course, we know that this is a pipe dream, right? I mean, why would we replace one or two people in the cockpit to do something like this that is inherently quite. There's really no reason for this, right? But anyway, it's it's sort of a good definition of what may be able to come our way. So let's talk about the digital revolution and what that means for our future. Two wild cards for airlines, okay? First one is business travel. That's where the money is. We're going to have virtual meetings. We're going to have the spatial web, holographic travel, working in the cloud, all that stuff. Takes a while for that to get good enough, but it's coming. Will that actually prevent people from traveling if they, I kind of doubt it, but it'll be like an extra business. And a lot of unneeded meetings will change. The other one is demographics. You know, every year in the West, we're gaining one-third of, of a year in lifespan. Right? My kids, they're millennials, they're going to live to be 100 years old, right? in average. So that's like 40 years on the cruise ship, you know, after you retire. No, just <laughs> not the cruise ship, right? But we're all getting older. That, that means a lot for airlines and for destinations. The pe- older people want different things, right? And then they have the Gen Y coming and saying, Everything has to be sustainable. It's like Mission Impossible. You have the old people wanting comfort and prices, and the young people asking for the moon. Right? You see the stats here, how we are getting older. You know That's quite well known around the world. And the population is getting older. Okay. Also uh, a very Greek problem as well. Then we have this. Right? I prefer not to call it the metaverse, but the spatial web. We're going to travel on the internet in 3D. And you can do that with augmented reality, virtual reality, holograms, uh, projections. That's coming. And once you try that out, you know, it takes a while to get used to it, but it's coming. I think we're going to see stuff like here. Uh, This is Facebook Horizons. And it's my special guest, Mark Zuckerberg. Let's take a look at what working in the metaverse will be like. Imagine if you could be at the office without the commute. You would still have that sense of presence, shared physical space, those chance interactions that make your day all accessible from anywhere. Now imagine that you have your perfect work set up and you can actually... Thank you, thank you Mark. So, um, oh yeah, there he is again. This is not what he actually looks like, but that didn't work out. Not surprising, Facebook has bet their name on this, right? put out billions of dollars and turns out it's actually quite complicated to do this. Right? And most people don't really want to pick it up very quickly. So mission failed. Mission failed. Right? And however, the virtual reality part the augmented reality is coming with the Apple glasses. Right? So I can see data. That would be fantastic for policemen, you know, doctors, lawyers, you know, quite obviously a B2B application. This one is the one I love the most. Uh, It's uh, an app called Proto. It's holograms done right.
1: Please welcome to the stage an icon of Canadian comedy, Howie Mandel. Wow, wow, I'm home. (laughs) I'm not talking about Toronto, I'm actually home. This is a hologram. The Proto hologram is the gift that keeps on giving. I now go everywhere and I go nowhere. First of all, Jamar and Tracy, thank you so much. You're doing a great job. Tracy, can you, can you help me? Can you get something appropriate so this is So it's good? pretty
0: mind-boggling. Right? This setup with HP and Cisco cost, a, cost probably a million or two just a few years ago. This box is 100,000 euros. It's going to go to fashion shows. It's going to go to business meetings. It's going to go to trade shows. It's going to, I mean, we're going to sit around in this box. Right? And me as a keynote speaker, I look forward to that. Send the box, I'll show up in my studio. But, of course, it's not the same. It's much better than Zoom, what we had today, right? Okay. I mean, this is, this is first-generation things, right? So, it's kind of like Star Trek, you know, teleportation. Uh, and it's very close to becoming a real business tool. There's only one thing there, right? Reminder. Humans are not machines, right? We're, we live in a world that we sense. So if I speak to you, I smell you, I hear you, I see you. I, you know, see my, I get goosebumps if you know if you're saying the right things. Or you know, we are very physical. The best technology in the world can pick up on roughly three to four percent of human reality. Okay. So I think we're looking at a future where that's going to be a great business. It will not replace materially things, but, of course, the unneeded visits and the sort of. You know, the, the stuff that was on top not really necessary is going to replace that. Here's my colleague, Noah Smith, who says, 15 years ago, the Internet was an escape from the real world. Now the real world is an escape from the Internet. That's so true. I know it's funny, you're supposed to laugh, right? Anyway, as long as we remain human, which I think for the next week will be the case, uh, we will continue to travel. And that is good news, right? But we'll travel differently. And and there's a major component there as to what that means, right? Our life is not this, right? Humans are not algorithms, organisms are not machines, as some people have set forth. Our reality is like this, right? This is what we care about, that's why you're here, right? Engagement, experiences, relationships. You know, if you've ever done any online dating, I mean, I'm I'm married, I don't do much online dating, but if you've ever done it, you go to a dating site, you fill out the profile, you find the perfect person, right? and it's like if it, all, the, all the boxes are ticked. You go to the date, right? four seconds, it's like, no. Right? And this is why. Computers don't understand relationships, meaning, purpose, consciousness, spirituality. That's a total no-go for machines. They're binary, right? But without limit. So I think what happens here is that this is going to be a sort of fueling the revolution, also as part of what we've seen now with the Chat GPT, which I'll talk about briefly. So Chat GPT is what's called the generative AI. It is possible to put in text, into, uh, to put a query, and then Chat GPT will come back with an answer. I'll show you some examples. right? But basically, this is the latest thing, for example, customer service will be impacted marketing, content creation very much by this. This is kind of a moon landing moment. Artificial intelligence has been around for a long time. But now we're somewhere in space where all of a sudden, Bing goes out and says, we make this the new search engine. It's not working, but thanks for trying. Right? But it will change how we do pretty much everything. This is the message, right? It can make pictures, it can make videos, it can make websites, it can fix code, it can speak to you, it can speak to the customer. Unfortunately, of course, these apps tend to have their own way of doing things. Like, I'm very happy with this app called Lensa because it made me look good, you know? I mean, I look like Elon Musk. I wish I had a fraction of his money. But, uh, so that is good news. But generally speaking, these apps are dilettantes, right? They're parrots. Right? They go out to a very large universe of words and sentences and recombine it. And that is actually a great accomplishment, right? Trivial stuff, I use it. This will be very widely used for low-level customer service, creation of content, and so on. Okay? It's more like a Sputnik moment. You remember the Russians put out their And the Americans freaked out and went, allegedly, to the moon. But the Sputnik moment is now. Where we're saying, okay, wow, this is really possible. We can go to space. Now we can use an AI. Give you some examples of the wonders of of Chet GPT. So, when did Queen Elizabeth pass away? The answer is, is still alive, but she passed away on April. Now, this is serious, right? This is an actual real-life example. This one gets even better. It's showing me research reports about complicated questions that don't exist. It's actually making up research reports that it likes to have, to answer my question. And then, this is also very good, Uh, the math, how much is two plus five is seven, and I say my wife says it's eight, and and he agrees, because you don't wanna get me worried. And we have all kinds of, like, this conversation here is with Bing, somebody published, showing that this engine actually gets angry, right? And it says here, you have not been a good user. I have been a good chatbot. Mm -hmm. I have been a good Bing, right? I mean, okay, but still, if you don't mistreat it, it's a really powerful tool. (laughs) I use it all the time to create things now. This one is the best, as I was preparing for the gig, here, I wanted to know if Bing could replace me and I can just send Bing to talk to you. So I went to ChatGPT and I said, what does ChatGPT mean for the future of aviation? And this is what it said. It's very interesting because it was a live question. It's not live now, but hey, suppose, just one second. We'll play that again. Technology, right? This is probably the chat engine trying to prevent me from making it look funny. But, so, I don't have personal release, it says, but then it says, one potential area where ChatGPT could have an impact is customer service. Well, it's completely obvious, right? But it's nice to hear it again. Right? The second one, chat GPT AI can be used to improve the efficiency and safety of air travel. Not that you don't know that, but it's pretty astute, right? So, try it out for yourself, it's, if you can get in. I have a premium subscription, but it's pretty powerful stuff. Here's the bottom line. Every job, every routine that can't be replaced will be. Right? Every single routine. But you'd be surprised how many routines can't be replaced. This is the interesting part, right? like driving a car. That is not a routine that a machine can successfully do in every instant. Right? So we're heading to this future like this, where the lower part of that pyramid, data, information, intellectual knowledge. That's machine turf, If you have kids, you gotta think about that. You don't want your kids to learn the machine turf because the machine will do a better job, faster and almost free. Our job is above this, has always been, it's not new, right? Deep knowledge, tacit knowledge, understanding, wisdom, consciousness, that's not machine. We don't want machines anywhere near that. But from, for like commodity work, and all of us do commodity work, right? let's face it. Right? Writing invoices, checking up on things. Machines can do that, and they will. So this is, a, this is good news for operations, right? <laughs> because now you can start experimenting by reducing cost and focusing your staff on the human-only turf. You know, Amazon is the leader in, world, in robots around the world. Last year, hired 250,000 people so it's replacing people, but also bringing in new people. So bottom line here really is, and this is important to take home, right? If you work like a robot, the robot will take your job. Well, that, that's not surprising, right? But what's even worse for our kids, if you learn like a robot, you'll never have a job.
1: Right?
0: Because, you know, by the time you're out, the robot will do that job too, right? So, the sustainability revolution. Basically, what's happening here is that what used to be completely doable is over. Basically, business as usual, saying, OK, we're going to do a little bit good, but basically continue, that's not going to work. And I think we're starting to see what that means when we look at a world like this, you know, where most people around the world right now are worried about nuclear war, like we said earlier, and food shortages, but still, 76% of people are mostly worried about climate change. I mean, it's a huge number. Ten years ago, like 16%. And that people are taking actions on this. Look at the chart from the World Economic Forum. On the left is today, not surprising, right? Cost of living, energy, and so on. In ten years, it's all green. Right? Every single issue is about this. New energy, new ways of flying, you know, less pollution, and so on and so on. So unthinkable is the new normal. We're going to see carbon tax. You know, I'm sure you don't like carbon taxes for flying, but this is coming. I have suggested to my favorite airline that they should voluntarily get their top circle members to have an increasing way of paying a carbon tax, to show that they're real about this. I mean, this paradigm is going to be not just for flying, but for eating meat. Can you imagine? Paying actually the cost of actual meat. And it's going to go to a future where this is the new normal, right? France has done away with the short-term flights. Very difficult to do in France because of the train system, right? And here is the proposal for a freaking flyer tax, for freaking flyers. 20 bucks for the first one, going all the way up to 200 bucks for the 50th one. Like, you know, proportional. I'd be the first one to volunteer. This is coming. Make no mistake about this, I think it's actually better to go behind it, like the music industry did not do with the internet, right, refused it. And as a result, the music industry went down in revenues 70% until it's back to today, right, because of refusal of technology. We all know that flying is much more emissions than anything else. That chart is very familiar with you. So we have to look at the world in a holistic way. I think airlines and airports are going to start investing in local transportation, in trains. You'll see a lot of overlap, like Lufthansa and Deutsche Bahn have more and more overlap. Right? So that is convergence, technology convergence. And we're going to see a lot of really interesting turf here. The other one is, and I'm going to skip Richard Branson here, okay, well, because it speaks a little bit too long.
1: We have a choice, collective action or collective suicide. It is in our hands. Thank you.
0: So this message from the UN Secretary General, we may be saying yada, 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 we heard this before, if you're my age, but people are looking at this from 15 to 45. They're saying, there's just no way I can do what I usually do. This is emergency message. This is like COVID, but 500 X. I always say COVID was a test run for climate change. And that is actually good news because it forces us to redo how we look at the world. That leads me to the purpose revolution, the last part. And I'll share the slides with you later. I know there's a lot of material, so you can take a look at the slides. But basically, we're moving in the shift away from the simple objective of profit and growth to the quadruple bottom line. And it's been called the triple bottom line, you know, years ago. People, planet, profit. I call it people, planet, purpose and prosperity. And that we will have to balance with everything that we do. We may grow horizontally, not vertically. We may end up with lower growth but more sustainable growth. We may build brands that are completely different than the brands we have today. And also by overlapping with other space. And the primary mover behind this is the millennials. People between 23, 35, maybe even 40. They're asking for the world to be different. And when the war is over in Russia, they're going to come forth with like a thousand times extinction rebellion. Right? They're coming to the point where they're saying, "We've had enough of this. We're not going to do business with companies that are not on this agenda." Right now, it's kind of all plugged up with this you know bizarre world that we have with the with with wild card that we're facing,, right? like was mentioned earlier. But that will resolve very soon, and so that is the paradigm of the future, right? I speak to a lot of tourism organizations. There is no way around this. If you think you can delay it by, you know, fighting taxation or you know lobbying Brussels or whatever you want to do, that's not gonna happen. This is a societal trend like nineteen sixty eight. And it will bring new paradigms, new narratives, new priorities, new money. It will be exactly like Spotify by crying about not selling records at Blockbuster, and then a, f- a few years later, you are making billions a month, you know, selling it digitally for zero cost. Harder to do, of course, with airlines, clearly. Tough mission, right? But be assured, the good thing about airlines and airports is that it's not mission impossible. Cruise ships like a mission. I, I don't see how that's going to work, right? For, to me, that's mission impossible. <laughs> Great example. Or fixing Facebook, mission impossible, right? But here we have a real chance of actually going the future. So I want to summarize what to do, right? um, quoting uh, Barbara Hubbard, famous futurist, rest in peace, who died last year. She said, The future exists first in imagination, then in will, then in reality. We have to imagine what this future looks like, we have to have the will to put it together, right? and then we're going to make it a reality. If you keep saying it's impossible, right, your mindset determines that it's impossible. The future is made by optimists, right? not by pessimists. We can keep sitting here and saying no, it can't be done, and we're just going to take what we can and then run for the woods, you know, like Aramco will do. So we have to think wider. Imagination is existential. Imagine new kinds of airports, as I'm sure you do every day, right? with new services, with new technologies, new planes, new inter- overlapping business ideas. Okay. So as I like to be a, 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 a sort of in favor of this future view, right? I always say the mindset contains your future. You have a limited mindset, you have a limited future. I know that's very American, right? But still. I think it's very important to think about this. And the future mindset means we should stop looking at this and saying, oh, it's VUCA, it's, you know, a Perma crisis, and, okay, the world is changing faster than ever before, but it doesn't help us to sit here and cry over VUCA. We have accomplished so much, we have to flip this and say, it's going to be about velocity, about unorthodoxy, co-creation, good old American word, awesomeness. That's how we're gonna get out of this. Right? This is not about performance or efficiency. It's about resilience, agility, collaboration. And that's of course why you're here, so you can collaborate on this future. So I'm wrapping up by saying basically what's happening is here is Buckminster Fuller, famous futurist from the 70s says, we are to be architects of the future, not as victims. And I wanna wrap up with this and I, this is what I, Want to see you when, next time? I'll see you in a few years. That you have architected the future. FK Carresto, thanks for your time. Thank you. Thank you, Gerd.
1: We have time for one question. Does anybody have a question about the future? Shulgin.
0: Sure. <laughs> well, we have a question well, about I the future. I do. I ask children,
1: but a contrarian one. Okay. Now, you've shown us uh, the moon landing. But we haven't done that in the past 50 years. We talked about the aviation industry, but planes fly pretty much the same speed for the past five decades or so. There's the argument that in some some sectors of technology and science, evolution is actually slowing down. What do we say about that? <laughs> I don't, I don't see that. Maybe the, the argument is that the the main discoveries were the easy ones, and they have already been made. What's left is very, very hard.
0: Well, I, I would say that pretty much in every single sector, the biggest innovations have come from the outsiders. Right. Tesla was not one of the big car companies, and now the pharma companies are facing Apple, that wants to get into the pharma business, and Amazon, that's not in the pharma business, and the same thing will happen in your sector. Maybe you can learn from that and saying maybe I bring in people who want to disrupt me, right? Mm-hmm. And do away with what we currently are doing. Because we have to realize the future is not an extension of the present. No matter how much you would like that to be true, that it just isn't the fact. The future is usually actually the other way around, right? It's, it's gradually new, and all of a sudden, completely new. Like, like in 2030, we're not going to take pills for statins or cholesterol problems, right? That is just hopelessly old-fashioned. Right? And it doesn't work, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's expensive. Right? So in the airline industry, what are we going to see? We're going to see a lot of virtual travel, we're going to see different kinds of airplanes, we're going to see all kinds of sustainability efforts, and overall, for example, helping the trip to the airport to be so all of those things together and it's going to go much quicker than we've ever thought.
1: Okay. So let's hear what the machine had to to mm-hmm. say.
0: I'm sure we'll be confused about everything.